Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And today we are taking a break from our series on the five points of Calvinism. And if you've been a longtime listener, uh, you know, the two of you out there that are, uh, you understand this is completely normal for us. When we start a series, we'll break in every so often. And so today is a special day, March 15th. Uh, this is the release of the greatest new book coming out today. Uh, the, uh, the word explored by, by Dave Jenkins, who's our guest today. So we are breaking into the five points to talk about this book here. Uh, so Dave, welcome to our podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Kevin. It's a pleasure to be on, on any show, including yours. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation, brother. Okay. So I want to clarify the book does come out today, right? Just yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, so this could awesome. be the first podcast you've been on since the release of the book. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. I'm taking credit for it. Even if it's not, I'm just going to take credit for that. Go for um, it. I like it. So, I like it. All right. <laughs> okay. First, tell us a little bit, uh, and you know, we discussed some of the things we're going to be talking about, but um, we didn't discuss this, so you're on the spot here. Oh, tell yeah, us a little yeah. bit about you first. Tell us a little bit about your yeah. testimony and how, how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, that's a great question. I love it. You know, I was saved by the sovereign grace of God at the age of five. Um, we got in a little bit. My mom and I got in a little bit of a rear uh, end bumper in North Seattle, uh, where we lived growing up. And I, we had grown. I had been attending church, and I just knew at that point, um, sitting, we had gotten home, and no, no damage to the car or anything like that. But I just knew I needed Jesus, and I just remember sitting on my mom's lap and saying mom, I need Jesus. And, um, I just remember following Jesus ever since, um, although very imperfectly, right. um, you know, I, I first sensed a call to ministry at the age of six and that just never went away. I fought against it until about 19. Um, I have had my share of struggles. I've, uh, by, um, that God has uh, led me out of including pornography and depression and anxiety. Um, my parents were divorced. Uh, my, junior year in high school. And so that kind of the pornography thing really uh, was a medication thing for me. Mm. But I recognized um, about 25 that um, this is really selfish. It's really not healthy. And uh, God, the Holy Spirit really convicted me of that um, in a church service. And then I prayed and said, Lord, help me to be the man you want me to be. And then uh, there, there was that. And then six months later, I met my wife. Seven months after that, we got married. Um, around that same time, about yeah, 2007, fall of 2007, I started at Liberty University and um, I graduated uh, and fast forward five years with a, a bachelor's, a master's of arts and a master's of divinity. Um, I started Servants of Grace at the age of 19. Uh, I thought I knew a lot about theology and I, and I probably did, but I was very arrogant and prideful and um, so I've, I've been doing ministry now for 20 years. I, I write. I'm a featured writer at Christianity.com, Crosswalk.com, Bible Study Tools. I'm a frequent contributor, frequent meaning I contribute somewhat regularly to Modern Reformation and um, also to Reformation 21. So I'm, I stay busy. Um, I also, at Servants of Grace, we have a team of over 300 writers from all over the world um, writing for us. We have a magazine, we have podcasts galore and uh, just very blessed. Um, but, but all of that is by God's grace, um, 
because of God's grace and and really the love and support of my wife um, as well. She is such a help to me. I I tell people there's no way I would be able to write or edit or podcast or even write this book because um, uh, she helped me edit this book. Um, and it is a much better book uh, uh, for her efforts and the publishers. Um, and so I'm I'm thankful for for that. Now I'm curious. Maybe we'd have to save this for a different podcast. Here's the big question. But uh, you're a Liberty grad, you're at Liberty University. Um, but you're clearly reformed in uh, your your theology, and I'm, I'm curious how um, was that a, a gradual movement that that God began to work in your life, or was that something that you just put up with when you were at Liberty? Um, I, I yeah, I kind of kind of I got to know that before we move on. Oh yeah, yeah. You could definitely ask me anything. That's that's fine. Uh, so around when I was thirteen, I started falling in love with theology. So I started reading MacArthur and Sproul and all those guys in the Puritans, even C.S. Lewis. You know, who's not reformed. But anyway, that's another conversation. You kind of claimed him, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. You know, I started reading Piper. I mean, just everybody. I mean, I just wanted to read, and and so you know, outside of the period when I was uh, under divine discipline. You know, uh, fast forward out of that, you know, I, I kind of came back to that. I kind of went away a little bit for a little bit of time. And then when I came to Liberty, I was starting to get back more into I was never not into theology. I just I kind of walked away a little bit during that period of time from some of the things that I knew, like just just a lot. Just, that's too much of a story. But, you know, women pastors and I kind of went too far on the charismatic side during that period as well. And and God, I, I, so when I went to Liberty, I mean, I knew that they weren't reformed or anything like that. I didn't know that they were, um, they took the positions they were, but I never really had a problem because I always just wanted to be biblical. And, you know, if I got docked for a grade, um, it wasn't going to be because of the grammar or the spelling, because my wife uh, made sure that uh, she edited all my works. So um, I never got docked on that. And I always did really, really well on the papers. Um, and there was never really any pushback, although there was, you know, I knew that the, the reputation of that. And um, so I never really had a problem with um, too much. I just took the position that I was going to learn from the opposing view. Yeah. And um, so that that seemed to really help. And, um, yeah, I mean, would I have gone to Liberty again if I was to do it again? No. My first choice was uh, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, yeah. and uh, but we weren't able – I wasn't able to do that, unfortunately, because one of the reasons we lived in Idaho was my parents uh, – or my wife's parents, excuse me. They tragically died. They, my wife's dad was in a murder-suicide, and um, her uh, mother died of stage 4 cancer, so we had to move we moved to Idaho to be near her siblings who were going through their teens. And then we lived there for 10 years. And then we moved to California um, and just moved out of California um, to Southern Oregon's uh, about a month or so ago. So that's a little bit about, you know, that question yeah. and more of my story. So that's interesting. I, I went to, uh, to I got my master's at Liberty. Uh, I was reformed and I'll tell you, it was, it was a humbling experience for me and God had to bring me through that to learn that, you know, not ever, uh, you know, I could learn from anybody. And a lot of these guys, though they weren't reformed, knew a lot more than I did about scripture. And, uh, I had to, you know, take, a 
take a look at myself and realize the arrogance I had. Um, and I think what's one of the things that God, God taught me during my years there. Um, but that's another time for this one. We, we want to talk about um, your book, uh, The Word Explored, which is really, it's a, it's a fascinating book because it's, it's on a layman level. It's, it's, it's not uh, necessarily uh, overly steep in academic language or anything like that. It's short, but it's also pretty comprehensive. Uh, you're not just talking about the need uh, for biblical literacy, but you're going through how to study the word, how to apply the word, even uh, how you're listening to learn the word. Um, it, it's real. How did you pack all of that into such a short book and such a book that that's easy to read? <laughs> God's grace, brother. God's grace. Uh, and the help of a lot of editors. Actually, I'll tell this, this story too. You know, when I first, when I, I was, I wrote the, the first half of the book, I, uh, the goal was to write a book that was 40,000 words. Well, the first, when I, when I wrote the first, as I'm writing the first draft, I'm already at 40,000 words halfway through the book. Okay. So I'm at, I'm on pace to do a John, pull a John frame. Yeah. So, so I messaged the, I messaged the editorial director, Chance Faulkner of H&E has said an Emmett. And um, I'm like, hey, um, I'm on pace to do a John frame. He's like, that's not OK. Well, he didn't say not OK, but I was like, well, you're going to have to cut. So then I had to go back and, and cut and cut and cut. And then my wife did the same thing. But uh, the, then the publisher did the same thing. And we ended up coming um, you know, out with that product, that product. That was that was really that was hard. That that was really hard, um, especially from the publisher getting the, those kind of you know oh well this has to all go i'm like what do you mean it has to all go it's all important to the argument that i'm making but i'm so thankful that you know i one thing i learned uh when i started writing was and my wife helped me with this is um she would have me print out she had me when we started writing for various places she uh, she had me print out the article and she would uh, double space and she would edit it. Well, the first time she did that, um, I cried because it was so it was so bad. And then I had to send it back. And then my wife had to edit again. It was it wasn't good. I wasn't any good at writing. You know, um, I thought I again, I thought I was. So the, the point is, there is when the publisher I had to learn again more about humility when the publisher sent it back the edits back to me and there was lots of things removed. But I had learned from writing for, you know, for places and publishers, publications for 10 years that um, it was okay. Just go with what the editor mostly mm -hmm. wants. And so I just mostly accepted the edits, although I would ask a lot of questions. I'm like, I think that's important to leave in or whatever. But then I just started accepting it after a couple of chapters. Just, hey, they're trying to make this. Uh, they know that this is for the layperson. So that was some of it. And then along the way, you know, I made some edits as well and revisions and just try to make it, you know, as, as interesting, you know, throwing in stories and statistics, quotes, things that where people are like, hey, maybe I don't know that or I've never heard of that before um, to, to keep it going and not just, OK, well, this is all verses. And there's over 100 scripture references in the book. Um, so there's plenty of scripture in a, you yeah. know, um, in a hundred and hundred page book there's over 100 references to scripture and by the way i would just say hey look up those references by yeah. the way so that's that's some of what i would say to that answer 
it's a testimony to the strength of your marriage that uh, your wife was able to edit all of that and you're still together. So that's. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, she is absolutely my best friend. You know, we might like any Christian couple, we're not perfect, but by any any means we have disagreements and we you know i'm i'm a stubborn norwegian and she's a hot-blooded german but we you know we always come together and we apologize and then we have conversation about hey what did you mean by this you know and and so um or or those types of things and there was lots of humility also on my part with the publisher just saying hey i'm sorry for some of my attitude and and those types of things because you know, I, I am a Christian leader, but, and I, and I take that very seriously, but I'm also a very imperfect fallen sinner and I yeah. can screw up just like anybody else. So, you know, um, but by the grace of God, go I, right. Right. So, so this is a needed book and, and you, you make the case that right at the beginning, uh, talk to us about the problem of biblical illiteracy, because it is a problem, not just out in the world. I mean, we're, we've, I think we've come to accept the fact the world is marching further down the road to secularism but even within the church this is a problem yeah you know i just moved i mentioned from southern california to to southern oregon and even in southern oregon there was there's wildfires so i want to just imagine with me for a minute this scenario we have we have firefighters who wouldn't go into the to the fire they would just stand back they're just apathetic you know that would never happen ever but just imagine with me and that example, what it shows is the problem of biblical literacy. We have a wildfire. And I know I want to when I use that example, people think, oh, man, that's really bad. Uh, how bad is it? It's it's bad. It's it's really, really bad. We have people speaking up about it, but we don't have enough conversation about it. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. we, we have George Gallup and Jim Caselli, who are researchers. They they tell us that, you know, we're a nation of biblically illiterates. That's pretty depressing. Uh, people don't know the four gospel accounts. They don't yeah. know the disciples they don't know the 10 commandments uh that's pretty bad uh 82 percent of americans think that god helps those who help themselves is in the bible uh the one that really stands out to me and to other people is 12 percent of adults believe that joan of arc was a yeah. noah's wife um you know and 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 all of this shows that we have this wildfire if you will of of people and this problem is just growing and growing, and we don't have enough conversation about it. And what drives me nuts is that we have all this conversation about our witness, right? But we have no, very little, you have books on change, but they don't talk about how our change fuels our witness. And then yeah. we wonder, we have so many, you know, uh, you know, rather, we'd rather talk about, hey, let's do this ministry or that. Uh, hey, what about having a conversation about this? You know, yeah. that's the conversation that we really have to be having. And I'm and I'm will that I'm willing to do what I'm I'm not saying like my answer is the only answer. I'm just saying, hey, hopefully this will start a conversation and I'm gonna go out there and I'll and I'll lead I'll, if I have to, I'll lead the way on this one. Um, you know, to start the conversation to get people talking more about this. Um, because it's absolutely it it, yeah. it absolutely is it absolutely is a problem, but they're absolutely, and I just want to be clear as day about it. There's absolutely 100%. This is a 100% solvable problem. Yeah, like we can solve this problem in our lifetime. You know, I, that's a that's a strong thing to say. Yeah. But it, the New Testament goes there. So, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you meant, mentioned this in the book, but uh, you just said that we we're not talking about this as we should. There are a lot of things that we are talking about. 
different ministries or different uh, needs that need to be addressed. And, and that's and that's fine. Uh, and I hear a lot of talk today about the Holy Spirit. We need more of the Spirit. Yet we're divorcing the Spirit from the Word through which He works and the Word through which He inspires. Talk to us a little bit about that that connection. It's intertwined. The work of the the, the Spirit and the ministry of the Word. Yeah, that's really a great question. You know, in John, in the Upper Room Discourse, which starts at John 13, right, and goes to John 17, um, in John 15 16, we have Jesus's teaching on the Holy Spirit, and there he makes three points. The Holy Spirit wants to teach us the truth of Scripture. He wants to teach the truth of Scripture, and he points us to Jesus for the purpose of sending us out as witnesses, you know, for his, his glory. And so this this teaching about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it, it corrects us because like you were saying, you know, um, one camp wants to focus on the work of the spirit apart from the word. And but as reformed people, we, you know, John Calvin, for example, was a theologian of the Holy Spirit. We often forget that, yeah. you know, because we're so focused on the spirit's work in contemporary evangelicalism. But it's the spirit's job to carry. He carries the word and he wants to plant the word deep in our yeah. lives. Um, and when the preaching of the word is happening, what's happening is is that the 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 word is going out, the faithful preaching of God's word, verse by verse expository preaching, where the point of the sermon is the point of the 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 point of the sermon derives from the point of the text and appropriately points people to Jesus, um, just for those who might not know that. And then what what the Spirit does is he uses that faithful preaching, and the Spirit opens people's eyes and he draws them to Christ. Um, that's why preaching, I argue in the book, that kind of preaching is is God's appointed means for the conversion of sinners right. and also for the growth of God's people in grace. So let's talk about how uh, we incorporate that into our individual lives, because I want to take this in two, two sections here. First, how we can address this individually, but then corporately as a church. So individually, you, you talk about reading through the word and how to interpret the word and, and how to apply that. Uh, all those are needed. So talk to us a little bit about, um, all right, I've recognized this problem. I need to be more in the word. Um, but that in and of itself is a pretty vague statement. How do I jump in? So I've, I've been convicted about this. What on, on an individual level should I be doing? Well, the thing that I want to say, that's a really good question. There's three things that God loves. He delights. He loves you know, his word, he loves his people, and he loves his church. I could easily break those down, but the point there is, is that God loves those things. And so as a Christian and dwelt by the spirit, as we just talked about, as, as you're being instructed by the word, you should love what God loves. And yeah. because you're indwelt by him and you say you love him and those types of things. So you should love those three things um, and delight in those things. And, and when, as you delight over and love what God loves, you're not going to get exhausted, right? You're not going to get um, burdened by this. It's not going to be a checklist. You're just naturally going to want to engage that. It's like the Christian who is reading their Bible, they can't help but talk about Jesus with other people, their neighbors, and other things. And people find that really compelling. Uh, Non-Christians find that really compelling too. You know, the more I'm following Christ and walking in the Spirit, the more I'm naturally going to want to share about Christ. I'm going to want to talk about Him. I'm going to want to share about Him. I'm going to want to serve other people in love. Um, so because I'm delighting in Jesus. So when we're talking about, to be clear, defining our terms, right? Uh, the the different the personal Bible reading would be 
um, reading the word, studying the word, uh, memorizing, meditating the word, applying the word. And then, and then um, corporately, we said, we've talked about a lot about that already, you know, expository preaching is corporate Bible reading, um, then small groups and the great commission and those types of things that we would have, um, you know, the, 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 and all of this is a delight. It's all a privilege. It's all to help us to grow like Jesus. So we don't just have a, we often want to talk about personal Bible reading, but we divorce it from the corporate life of the church. Right. And there two are, two are connected. There's not an either or um, there. It's a both. And as so many things in the Christian life are the, the, I need, I need personal Bible reading so that I can be a, a, an effective servant of Christ in right. whatever ministry I would have in the local church. Um, and then I would, we gather together and then we scatter out from, we gather together on the Lord's day Sunday and we scatter, um, we go out, you know, we walk out of that door of our church building and we're immediately witnesses, you know, from that moment till we come back and we go to our families, we go to our jobs, we go to our, you know, um, we go to our, you know, families and all of that, wherever we are, you know, God wants to use us. But I think one thing that we have to talk about, and I was talking about it just a minute ago, is not only not only talking about our witness, but our character. Our character really yeah. matters. And the and the in the Bible again is it's a both end. You know, we're saved by the sovereign grace of God, not by you know, by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. Um and you know we're to Colossians three, for example, it tells us to put off the, the flesh and put on the, put on Christ. And that's union with Christ. Um, and then he goes on and says, this is what our life is supposed to look like. And then he goes and talks about in chapter four about the, our speech and our conduct. And you see this pattern throughout the new Testament. And we, that, that's one of the reasons why people I think are so, you know, they're like me, I was living in rebellion and I didn't want to do it. God said, because, you know, I just, I just didn't at that time, you know, I wanted to do my own thing. I was really selfish and self-centered. And I think that when we talk about character, we're going to find that we're going to address people's, we're going to get to the heart of what's happening in their life, you know, and then so that they can be that effective witness, that effective servant for Jesus. And they're going to naturally desire to do that if we can just help them to grow. And that's really what I want to do in this book. And I think, that's why I'm hoping that other people will take that approach too, because it's a biblical yeah. one, and it's one that where we have to have a better balance, I think, um, in the church. So individual and corporate are, are, are both important. I, I think we have, we all know that guy, um, that guy who, and I don't want to sound Roman Catholic when I say this, um, but you know, sometimes one man with a Bible is a dangerous thing. Uh, we, we all know that guy who, who, who follows every conspiracy theory on the internet, and that affects even how he interprets scripture and can come up with some wild interpretations. I've heard everything from uh, the incense in the temple was really marijuana to, mm -hmm. you know, flat earth or uh, whatever. Um, and, you know, I find those people typically are not being... Uh, are not among those on the weekly gathering. There are not those who are uh, being held accountable by a local church. And I said, that's, that's the, you, you have to have both. Yes, you need to be in the word yourself, but when you are encountered by faithful expository preaching of the word, uh, and even small groups, where as you're talking, you can, you can be rebuked if needed or encouraged if needed by other people, 
that brings about that that kind of balance that that we need. Yeah, that's that's really really good. You know, Charles Spurgeon says, "I have a great need of Christ." And, and a great Christ for our need. So mm. I take that a little bit step further. I, I not only have a great need of Christ and a great Christ for my need, but I have a great need of you and 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 you have a need of me. And that's what you're saying. And yeah. and what the New Testament has to say is that's why we do life with one another, because you know, um, there was a guy in, in a Bible study I led, and what he really wanted wasn't just the answers to the theology questions. What he wanted to know was that I really loved him and that I cared about him, that I was willing to listen to him. And uh, I remember my pastor at the time overseeing me in this ministry. He said to me, "Hey, uh, you really need to pray for him." And I said to him, "No, I don't want to." He now now he he knew that I was going to pray for him, and I and I did on the drive yeah. home, you know, afterwards. And what ended up happening there was is it ended up changing me. It ended up changing my approach to him. And there was this there was this conversation that he and I had with another guy, and and I just realized that's what he really wanted. He didn't care about. He cared that I that I knew the answers to his question, but he, what he was missing, the missing link really was, he didn't feel that I cared about him Yeah, and he didn't feel heard by me. And, and that really just, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I said, I'm so sorry. That's what you've been trying to tell me, huh? He's like, yeah. yep. And I that, hope during and that, this, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. I, I hope during this pandemic, that's one of the things that we're coming away with is the importance of, uh, fellowship and Christian fellowship within the church, um, as it's been taken away in some circumstances, uh, I think we should see see that all the more uh, all the more as a, as a great need. Yeah, I mean, some people are saying you know the church isn't essential, but as we're arguing, the church is absolutely essential. Right. It's the only it's the only institution that God has appointed for the salvation of sinners and the yeah. making of disciples. I mean, um, and Jesus, it's the only institution we we would say that Jesus has bled and died for, you know. Um, and so those are the church is absolutely essential. Absolutely. It's essential not only spiritually, but I mean, you look at you look at how the church is, has helped society. You know, we would they wouldn't the society wouldn't have schools, they wouldn't have universities, it wouldn't have hospitals. I mean, and on and on. You know, those are those are. Those are huge things that the church has contributed to Western society, among many, many others, of course. So, yeah. All right. The name of the book, again, is The Word Explored by our guest, uh, Dave Jenkins. Dave, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And this book is really great. If you're a pastor, you need this. It'll help you. Uh, if you're if you're someone just sitting in the pew, you need this. It'll help you. Go out, get this book. It's out today. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it wherever good Christian books are sold, I'm assuming. Um, and if you enter the code basic Bible podcast, you won't get any discounts, but you're still getting a great book. Uh, and you're telling other people about the podcast at the same time. But anyway, uh, so Dave, what really thank you for, for taking the time, uh, not only for writing this book, but for joining us and, and talking with us uh, today. Thank you for the honor of, uh, being, uh, uh, coming on this show. I really appreciate it, Kevin. I enjoyed well, it. We're going to have links to not just this book, but your podcast, your blog, the Servants of Grace blog, which is, is, is really good. And um, that'll have just an abundant amount of resources for you to check out as well. So don't forget to check us out, www.basicbiblepodcast.org and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Basic Biblecast. So until next week, have a great rest of your day.